I just want to say, like, this has been a, a cool journey, again, uh, just for me, just Scotty and Stella. And w- one thing I, I just want to say over, over Urban Youth, uh, you guys have some phenomenal leaders. Um, even though the brothers are kind of like a mess, and but they're pretty, no. Like, like it's actually like, you know, some really, really high-level leaders. And, and here's what I would say. Um, just hanging around you guys, like the level of actually leaders that are here in this crew right here and, and back over here, like in a way, like I almost, almost underestimated to the level of leadership that's actually in this room, not a room, in this canopy right now. Not that I didn't see you guys and see something in you and believe and hope. I do that. Like for me, I, I never judge a book by its cover, ever, all right? Like I, I never, you know, just, just, I just believe in just full of faith and hope and ability to see just into people's future and their lives. But actually, as I've been around you guys, I feel like the Lord said, Andrew, no, it's actually on a higher level than what you even just, your expectation coming into. Like this level of leadership and where you guys are going to go. And I think that's just because of the leadership um, and John Luke in, in this whole new era. Like I think even just, Scotty, the things that you guys have hoped for and believed for and have seen your leadership team is going to be the baton exchange to John Luke that's actually going to even see that fullness within you guys. Like, God's chosen you for this season. Like, this is like a chosen crew, a chosen youth group, um, and it's just going to be powerful, like what happens. So anyways, I, I'm just stoked, and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you kind of over the next few moments, maybe how I wouldn't talk to just any, any youth group. I'm going to speak into, like, the level of leaders that, that God has just shown me. So, um, and I don't have a whole lot of time with you guys. Uh, this is kind of my last session that I get to get to chill with you. And uh, I just just have something I want to release. And um, I'm going to be talking on the idea of prayer, okay? Um, prayer, like if I, I really talk about prayer, each individual that we may have, um, there might be a different value. But for the majority that I see, um, People are pretty bored when it comes to prayer. Like, people don't wake up every day. It's like, do I get to go to the footy game or could I go to prayer? Uh, prayer's going to be way much funner. You know, it's like, no, they're going to go to foot. Like, you know, just like if you ask any Christian, if I ask any Christian, do you think you need to pray? How many people would raise their hands? Pretty much everybody. Then if I ask, like, what does your prayer life look like? It's sometimes a little, like, mediocre. And I think that was maybe for me a lot of my context of prayer until something happened in my life and I had actually a switch. Guys, I I want you to know the things that you long for in your life, the things that you desire to see in your life can only happen through prayer. All right? Like if 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 you want to see a life that actually goes beyond yourself, there is one way, one place, one one epicenter, and it's a thing called prayer. If you want to live a powerful life, you can only do that through prayer. There is power in prayer. Guys, I, I've I've seen a culture where it's like we know how to speak, we know how to communicate, but I for my own personal life, like I knew how to do those things, but one thing that I lacked, and I just felt it and I knew it. It was prayer. Like I remember as a young pastor, this woman, um, she was just like an angry girl, like just angry. She was older, like every church got one of those. And this was this lady, and she was actually leaving the church because 
I became the pastor. I was kind of young for her, um, so she just didn't really like me that much. And I remember sitting down with her because she was leaving the church, just sit down to say, hey, I just want you to know, like, I'm for you. I believe in you. And she wasn't happy to be leaving the church, but it was kind of because of me she was leaving this church. Things, but she kind of pointed everything at me. And she goes, son, the things that you want to see can only happen in prayer, and I don't think you do that much of it. And I'm telling you, man, she slapped me across the face. That's what it was like a big slap, like just straight up insulted me. And at the time, I would say I would pray, but you know what? She was right. You know what that statement did to me? It said something that I'm missing in my life that I need more of. So I want you to know, like, I want to talk to you, because here's the thing. If I taught you guys about prayer, you'd walk away and you wouldn't pray. <laughs> like, if I, if I just did a sermon teaching on prayer, it would not literally affect you to say, all right, this is something. Prayer has to be caught. It cannot be taught. There has to be something inside of you that says, I see that thing called prayer, and I need that in my life, because if I add that to my life, something's going to happen. It has to be caught. You see, the disciples, when they saw Jesus, they said this phrase, teach us to pray. They didn't say, Jesus, hey, will you teach us how to pray? All right, it was like, give us a, they said, teach us to pray. Here's why they asked that question. There's a lot of teach people how to pray. But I wasn't teaching people to pray because it wasn't something that I grabbed a hold of in my own life. So here's the disciples. They did not ask Jesus, Jesus, teach us how. Like, teach us to do those miracle things. Like, teach us to raise the dead. Like, that was really cool. <laughs> like, I want to be able to do that. Like, teach us how to do that whole, like, fish and bread thing. Like, that was awesome. Like, multiplying the fish. They didn't ask Jesus any of those things. They asked him one thing, teach us to pray. Because what they realized by watching Jesus's life, that there was a power from this one place called, because of this thing called prayer, he raised the dead. Because of this thing called prayer, he multiplied the fish. You guys tracking with me? They watched his life and said, there's something on that, and I don't have it, and I want it. All right, so I'm a brand new Christian. I get saved, start having some pretty radical encounters, and I go to this church, and I hear a dude preach. His name was Rick Shelton. So Rick, he preaches, I don't, flies love Americans. I'm telling you, if there's like 100 people, I'll get like 10 flies of me, no one else will have one fly on. I don't know what it is. All right, so this dude named Rick Shelton, he would preach, and I don't know if you guys have ever had a really powerful God encounter in worship or ministry or when someone's praying for you. Some of you had some of that last night. But for me, when this dude would preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, the power of God following my wife and I, and it would be unlike any moment, it would just sit there and we just felt it resting on us. And he would say this phrase, put that in your spiritual pipe and smoke it. Like he would say that phrase all the time because that's what it felt like. It felt like I was getting high by what he was Like just the power of God was released. We would sit in our car afterwards and literally go like, what just happened? We would sit by. We wouldn't drive anywhere. We would be like, what is going on? And I remember I wasn't, I didn't plan on being a pastor, but I said this. I said, if I ever preach the gospel, I want to be like that man. There was something different on his voice. There was different power. There was a different form of releasing unlike anything I've ever seen. So I sat down with this dude, and I asked him, how do you have what you have? It's different. Like this dude would pray for people, and people would actually be healed. 
Like, he would prophesy, and the people would just start crying on the other side of his voice. Like, and it was just unlike anything I've ever seen. And I said, how do you have what you have? And he began to think it was prayer and praying and combining prayer with praying in the Spirit. And he would come before the Lord every single day in prayer. And it wasn't like something he had to do. It was like he had a secret Like, he knew something different about this thing called prayer that I've never seen before, but I just went before the Lord and said, God, I want that. Like, if I'm doing this Christian thing, and that's why I want you to know, like, I I think there's only one kind of Christian that's called radical. Like, I hope you heard what I was saying yesterday, that, like, the reality is, like, if you have this encounter with God, it just overflows into every facet of your life. And if you're not radical, it's because you just don't know how amazing he is. But there's only one form of Christian. So he told me, Andrew, start studying old missionaries. Start studying some of these men of old. They didn't have, like, technology to help them out. They had one thing. It's called the Holy Ghost. <laughs> one thing. Come to Mass in. It was this thing. Light myself on fire. Not really, but spiritually. And people would come to see him burn. There was a different level of power that I feel like maybe they tapped into that just stubbornness. And there was a dude named Charles Finney. And this dude had this crazy radical, he just felt like he, could, he just couldn't be forgiven. I don't know if you've ever felt like that. There's too much sin in his life. He just, no one could tell him it. Otherwise, he was a lawyer. He felt like he was damned to hell. And uh, he finally just couldn't take it, went outside, said, I'm not leaving this place. Either kill me or change me because I cannot be going on like this. And this dude has this encounter with God. I think it's, you need to be careful of the things like that whole, like, Lord, I'm not, either take me out or redeem, like, because God showed up in that moment and God touched him and healed him on the inside. He said waves of liquid love hit him. And he went and told two people about his encounter, and those two people got saved. Then they went and brought, like, five more people. They all got saved. And literally in his first day of being a Christian, 15 people got saved because the power of God was touched them and was on them. So this dude, like, just, like, trek with this. So this guy has the revelation of prayer, and he encounters, and he starts to preach the gospel, and he would go to, like, some of the worst places, like, in, in, in the state of United States that were known as heathens that were, no, like, uh, like, Armandale, you know, is that, no, Joe, <laughs> I was trying to think of a place, uh, but, like, he, they would go to places that were just known for not loving God, like, predominantly atheists, and he would go, and he would send people in a month before just to pray undercover. No one knew they were praying, and he would come in and preach the gospel, and literally entire cities and towns would get saved. Everybody in the town would get saved. This dude would go into a factory, uh, like 300 people working, and he would go in. He would not say a word. He'd just look in someone in their eyes, and all of a sudden, conviction of God would fall, and they would start confessing their sin. Then they would start confessing their sin, and they would start confessing their sin. And it would ripple through the entire factory. The factory would shut down for three weeks because the presence of God fell into the room. What is that? I read that, and I was like, what the heck is that? He, would, he was on a train, and his train stopped in a town. He didn't even get off the train, and the presence of God fell on that town. And the same thing happened. The town shut down because people fell under the conviction of God, and revivals happened in every single church. What is that? A dude named Smith Wigglesworth I read about. Have you guys ever heard of that guy? Crazy name. My kids laugh at his name every time. You, you're in this space right now. 
because this dude came and actually brought a Pentecostal gospel of the Jesus Christ to um, Australia in the 1920s. So this guy comes in. He's a, a plumber, like the, the good old butt crack hanging out, you know what I'm saying? So he was a plumber, a common, common dude, but he just believed the word of God to be true. He believed that God says he wants to heal. He wants to cast out demons. He wants to do these things. He was documented by the power of Jesus Christ for raising 14 people from the dead, medically documented. Like actually the church, it's called Bridge Church, now Numa Church in Melbourne, how that church started, whereas people in wheelchairs and crutches that got up were completely healed. And under their platform, they had wheelchairs and crutches where they would preach the gospel on top of from the healing movement that God did. So this dude was in a prayer meeting in New Zealand. There's like 40 pastors at this meeting in the press room, and it was so heavy that the pastors could not stay in the room because it was too heavy. They couldn't breathe. So one by one, they would leave. It would just get heavier and heavier. So finally, one night, this dude says, I'm staying in this room. Like, no matter what, I'm not leaving this place. I'm not leaving this room. As long as Smith's in here, I'm going to be in here. So one by one, it got heavy. Pastor after pastor would leave. And this dude got to a place where literally the presence of God was so thick that he could not breathe, that he had to make a choice. I'm either going to die or I'm going to have to leave this room because he could not breathe. And he ran out because he was too of breath once he stepped out to the room. But Smith Wigglesworth was still on his knees praying. What is that? <laughs> Just would read these things and say, God, if I'm going to do this, I want that. But it's unmarked on one thing. Everybody that I would mention, if I give you any story, there's one thing that they understood, one thing that they had the revelation of, it was prayer. It's not something they had to do. It's something they got to be a part of. Guys, there is no power if there is no prayer. All right? Are you guys hearing me? Like, I want to give you some of my why, then I'm going to get into what is right? So, So one of my whys, I told you in my dream the other day that I had with the Lord that me and every one of my friends were in a prison cell. Do you guys remember that part? And I said, God, what do I do? He told me to read Proverbs. So, I never understood why I was in this prison cell. Ooh. All right, it came up a little bit. Why I was in this prison cell with my best friends. I never understood that. Now, for four years, I would share that testimony. Then one day, as I'm sharing that testimony with a, about a couple hundred youth group, all of a sudden, the Lord drops in my spirit in this moment. The reason that they were in a prison cell was because Andrew, and that prison cell represented like this hell environment. Like, that's what it felt like. And the Lord said, Andrew, you led them there. And he began to show me. He said, even though you weren't a Christian, you went to church and you were a poser. You, you, you were like that kind of wishy-washy. I kind of had a belief in God, but I didn't want to live it out. Every one of my friends knew nothing about God. They knew nothing about church view of Christianity. And I led them to that place called hell. And in that moment, God dropped a burden in my heart in the room of every single person. Your life matters. Guys, your life matters as a representation to Jesus to the friends around you. Like, do not think that how you're living in your Christianity doesn't matter to the world. It does. They are seeing Christianity through you. It makes a difference. So for me, man, we just started praying for our friends in that moment. Then God just dropped a burden in the room to think outside of ourselves but begin to think of other people. 
then for me, another burden that being a light and being a witness, because I want you to know, prayer is actually the thing that actually releases power into the kingdom of God and draws people in to encounter him. So there was a dude named uh, uh, John Brodick, and Jonathan Brodick uh, was an engineer. He was in his early 30s. He looked like Maroon 5, like tatted up, like just the dude had it all. Like he had the he had the successful job, you know, just a trendy guy. Me and him would do triathlons together. And uh, right away, first time I met him, just had to connect. He wasn't a Christian. And the Lord said, Andrew, I want you to introduce him to my spirit. That's what he told me. So we, we go on this journey. And uh, I'm, right away, I'm like, hey, dude, let's get some lunch sometime. Let's connect. And he's like, yeah, man, I love that. So a couple months went by. We did another triathlon. I saw him again. The same thing. That whole, like, dude, let's get lunch. Like, let's hang out. Like, let's do that. You know, we connected really well. But we never, I never followed up in that time. You know, it's just more like we got time. Life's busy. Church stuff's going on. And uh, saw him in conversation. Oh, dude, connected really well. Oh, man, let's, man, let's do that. Let's have that coffee. Let's have that connect. And uh, I go into a meeting with my pastor and a couple guys, and all of a sudden they go, hey, do you hear about Jonathan Brodick? I'm like, no, what's up? And uh, they said he took his life. And all of a sudden, I just, I just can't express the feeling that I had. Complete numbness hit my body. I said, what? They said, yeah, two weeks ago, he was driving a car, drinking and driving, had an accident, didn't want to pay the consequences of, of what he did. So that next day, he hung himself at his mom's house. And for me, guys, I just begin to weep. Like, not just cry. I begin to weep. And here was my prayer to the Lord. Lord, I pray, and in your grace, that you sent somebody else that was willing enough to step out, to set down their own feelings and their own agenda. Guys, and for me, at that, this point in that decision, I made a decision no matter what, God, if you stir in my spirit, I will act. If you stir in my spirit, I will respond. Guys, this whole faith journey isn't just some token thing we do. Guys, there is a lost and dying world that to step up and to stand out and to live this thing out. But you cannot truly live it out without grabbing a hold of this idea of prayer. All right? That's my view and the importance of it. Guys, prayer is more important than the air that you breathe, which might sound kind of dumb because if you can't breathe, you're dead. <laughs> but I'm saying this on the scope of eternity. What your breath is on these 70 years that you will live, 80 years, whatever it may be, compared to the eternal life that we have, prayer is more important than the air that you breathe. So I want to look at prayer. What is it? What is it? What isn't it? What is it? Um, so the first thing, prayer is actually in secret, okay? We are very familiar with public prayer, but I want you to know prayer is done in secret. Jesus, he would pray really long prayers in secret and very short prayers in public. Guys, his prayers in public would be like this. Be healed. <laughs> Get out. Come. Go. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Everyone else was praying these long Pharisees, praying these long extravagant prayers, using these big words. But Jesus, he had an authority on his life because of what he did in secret. Matthew 6, 6 says, and when you pray, 
Go to the Father who is in the secret place. You might wonder, where is God? Like, I feel distant from God. Guys, quit searching for God. Quit looking for God. He's in one place. It's called the secret place. Guys, when I go into the secret place, when I go to this place to open myself up to the Lord, it's not like I'm coming in there saying, God, I hope you show up. I hope you'll rock up. I just know when I step into this place, God is there way before I ever even started to make my way to it. He is there waiting. He's in the secret place waiting for you. You see this idea of 1 Thessalonians 5.17. It says, pray without ceasing. How do you do that? Have you ever tried that? Because I have. Like, I'm going to, like, literally, I'm like, I'm going to be in nonstop prayer. And it's really awkward when you're in the urinal. Like, going to the bathroom and there's a dude standing next to you and you're praying. Really awkward. I was like, this ain't working. I can't do this. Prayer is not just a monologue. It's not just me talking to God, but it's actually one of the most powerful, beautiful things because it's a dialogue. It's me talking to God and God talking to me. You see, has anybody ever struggled with, like, I don't know if it's God's voice, is God speaking, all that stuff. That was me, all right? Like, I just didn't know. And when I got saved, God was speaking to my wife, Ashley, and I'm like, but how is he, he's not speaking to me for him. And I'm like, I don't know if I do. So I went into my secret place, and I studied my Bible, and I began to pray. And finally, I got quiet, and I was like, God, why do you not speak to me? That's what I said. And he goes, because you don't shut up. Like, that's for real. That's what he said. Like, that was his first word. I'm like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I need to start shutting up a little bit. You know, he, he's going to sound like you. God's kind of edgy with me a little bit because I'm kind of edgy. Like, like, and also he said, you don't shut up. And guys, that moment just unlocked this beautiful journey of the voice of God. But guys, it's in secrets. This idea, like guys, I'm in the secret place. It's not just a, a room, but it's my posture, my heart that I'm stepping into this place, this secret place that he has. Prayer is done in secret. And there's power to corporate prayer. And we'll talk about that in a second. Guys, prayer is relational, all right? And, and we see in Luke, he says, our Father, who out is how to teach us to pray. He says, our Father. Jesus revolutionized everything. They wouldn't even pronounce the name Yahweh for fear of being striking dead for saying it wrong if they had sin in their life. But Jesus all of a sudden calls him Father. Like he changes the paradigm. You see, my, my little girls, like they understand this relational dynamic of prayer. Like it's just like they're talking to daddy. It's just like they talk to God. All right, that's the same level. So my daughter Reese, she's probably six years old at the time. There's a drought in the land. There's fires in Colorado. So fires coming down, burning everything. And my little girl was so burdened, so burdened by the trees burning down. Like it actually hurt her heart. She's like, no, not the. So finally, I'm speaking at this conference, and my daughter goes, she's with my mom, and they're in a hotel room, and she prays. She said, Lord, I pray that you stop these, um, f these trees from burning down, and, Lord, that it rains. She prays this prayer. She goes, I know what's going to happen. That's what she says. So my mom looks at the forecast. There's no rain in the forecast. It's been 180 days without rain at that time. All right? 180 days, no rain in the forecast, still severe drought, severe fires, burning down homes. You guys know what that's like. And uh, so all of a sudden, it's nap time, so she closes. And all of a sudden, she hears a rumble and hear a roar. And she, all of a sudden, my mom's like, what 
is that? It's like the air conditioner looking around. Then she opens up the blinds, and there's legitimately a monsoon rain coming down, like, like, type of rain. And my mom runs over, Reese, 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 it's raining, it's raining. And literally Reese's response was, I know, I prayed. Like, no joke, I know. I prayed. This girl had a revelation. Like, this is my father, and he wants to partner with you in your wants. Guys, here's what I've learned. Don't, don't pray prayers like, God, give me this job. Give me this. Give me that. Give me that. Here's what you do. When you start praying things that are on his heart and praying for your friends and praying for the environment, praying for, like, revive, whatever that may be, God takes care of you. He'll actually give you something better than you even thought you wanted because you don't even know what you want. <laughs> you think you might need that guy. Nope. There's a different thing that God asked for you that's even better. You just don't know. You just need to start leaning into this idea of prayer. So prayer is God's chosen method. He chose this thing called prayer for you and I to access the kingdom. And here's the craziest thing to me. Like, I hope you hear me. I know it's warm. I know it's nap time. I know it's afternoon. Lean in for a second. I'm almost done. It's his chosen method. God has limited himself. What do you mean? Okay, this infinite God, all-powerful God that spoke the stars into existence, that created you and I, that knows how many hairs that are on your head. It's crazy. Like, he, he created all of these things, limits himself based on you and I. So 2 Chronicles says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, he says this phrase, I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. But guess what happens in this story? I don't know if you've ever heard that passage before. God destroys the land. So God did what he did not want to do. Does that trip anybody else's mind out? God wanted to heal the land. But he didn't. He destroyed it. Why? Because he could not find a man to stand in the gap. Like he said, I am looking for a man to stand in the gap. But because I could not find a man, I did what I did not want to do. Does that, does that, is that tracking with anybody? Like God wanted to do something because he could not find someone humbling themselves to say, God, I can't do this on my own. And humbling themselves in prayer he did not have a vessel to flow through. Here's my prayer. Lord, let me be that one that humbles himself. Let me be that one to stand in the gap. Let me ask this question. If you're not praying for your family, who is? Does God want to move in your family? Do you think you want God to move more than he actually wants to move? He's saying, I want to move in your family. I want to do, but I need someone to stand in the gap. Do you think God wants to move in your school? <laughs> do you think God wants to move in your youth group in a way that goes beyond yourself, but he's looking for a man, he's looking for a woman that will stand in the gap and say, God, I am willing to pray. When I was a brand new youth pastor, I felt there's something more. There's going to be revival in our crew. I'll tell you something I feel in this crew. There's something here that God wants to release. 
And I, I spoke something similar to this. And I said this phrase, what I just told you, if you're not praying for your school, who is? Because these were like Christians, like a few of them, like really got it. And I'm like, if you're not, you think this youth group that, look guys, all of a sudden two kids said, we're going to go to the Oval, which was the football field, and we're going to pray. On Wednesdays, we're coming, and we're going to pray for our school. It started off with two. The next week, it was four. Then it was eight. Then it was 50. Then it was 100. Then it was 150. They had 150 kids rocking up for prayer. And this was a hard school. Like, this wasn't like, you know, the, that, like, good old, like, goody two-shit. Like, this was a hard, hard school. And these kids, 150, and here's what happened. They stopped praying at the football field, and they started walking around the school and started praying over the school. They started literally worshiping around the school, and we saw revival break out in our student ministry. It was kind of like the wind beginning to flow within our student ministry. Guys, we saw every walk of life, the broken of the broken. Guys, I'm not scared of any broken. My wife and I actually adopted our 14-year-old, a 14-year-old kid and a 12-year-old kid that were actually both on meth. Like, we adopted two kids on meth that were ADHD, bipolar, obsessive-compulsive disorder that only knew one way, and it was a way called fighting. That, that were bond and addiction. Like, like, I'm not scared of any situation that happened in their life that actually produced what they have. And that there's a God that always wants to heal it. But I'm telling you, some of the hardest kids, I actually always say, Lord, give me the hardest one. I'm going after them. Give me the one that's the most broken. I want to see you touch them. Guys, that was my prayer even coming here. All right? <laughs> like, like, like all of a sudden, we had nine of the top ten of the smartest kids in our school, like the Valley Victoria, nine of the top ten were all in my youth group. And I'm not the brightest guy. We had the entire drama team in our youth group. We had the football team, the athletes, the skaters. The, 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 they had the thing called emos back then. I was like, you know, it's like, like them in our youth group. It was a beautiful picture of the kingdom of God. You know that, how that happened? Two kids started praying. Two kids said, I believe this thing to be true, and I'm going to start praying. If my people called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Let me just say this. I just got two more points. Then we're going to pray for a minute, all right? Is, is this. Sometimes I feel like we don't, we might have sin in our life. Or we don't pray because we don't feel like we're that good of a Christian. Anybody relate with that one? Like God's not going to answer this prayer. So when I first got saved, brand new Christian, doesn't mean I was perfect, I was pretty radical. But I still had some issues. Very first person I ever prayed for, my pastor called me up and said, hey, I want you to go to the hospital and pray for, for a woman. So my wife and I, we were dating at the time. We go to this hospital. Don't know anything. Walk into this room. Meet this lady for the first time. Find out she's a prostitute. And she has signs of a grapefruit. You guys know what a grapefruit is? Is that a fruit around here? All right, grapefruit. You guys got different fruits around here? All right. So anyways, has a grapefruit tumor in her stomach. And we got to pray for this woman. I've never prayed for one person in my life. I've never prayed out loud in my life except my salvation prayer. So I go in. My wife and I pray for this woman. Probably one of the worst prayers. I actually tried to make it sound spiritual even though I did not know anything like, Lord, cometh in righteousness. Is that a word? I don't know. Keep on going. And, all right. So anyways, pray this prayer. Lord, uh, heal it. We walk out. And literally, my, I don't know what he's thinking. But God ain't healing that. Like, I actually said that phrase. 
Like, I, I just, I'm like, <laughs> that ain't happening. That ain't working. So I get a call the very next day from my pastor, and he's, he's driving a car, and this is what he says. Hey, you're not going to believe this, but that woman that you prayed for didn't have to have the surgery. The tumor was gone. <laughs> for me, I just realized prayer is not about me. Prayer is not about you, but it's about a God that says, I want to heal this land. I want to heal this woman. I'm just looking for somebody. I don't care if you, you're full of faith or not. I don't care if you got some stuff that you're going through or not. I just need a voice to partner with, and I want to release something. It's God's chosen message. He is searching for a youth prayer. Will it be urban youth? Will you guys partner with him? So that group... The two kids, they were freshmen, year nines, that got a hold of this. Do you know what their testimonies were their senior year? I would always have my seniors come up and share their testimony, even the mess up ones. <laughs> like, Because it was actually one of my favorite. They would share their story, share their God encounters. They would share the areas that they messed up. And I would always ask them this question, if you could do anything different, what would you do? And it was amazing, their response. They would actually cry almost every time. But I had these seniors come up and share their story. They shared about the revivals. They shared about the healings. They shared about the movement and the things that they were encountering saw. And I said, is there anything that you would do different this year? And they said, this is what they said, almost every single one. They said, not really. They said, we had the funnest time in our high school years, and we have no regret. <laughs> Guys, here's what they did. They, I almost, uh, here's what I would say, but this is what, I, they made Christianity fun. <laughs> but let me just say it like this, they actually just lived out real Christianity. <laughs> Doesn't mean it was perfect for them. Doesn't mean they came against some stuff. Doesn't mean that their family didn't have some suicides, all that stuff. No, stuff happens in life. But they lived it out. They saw the power of God move because they got a hold of something called prayer came alive on the inside so let me let me teach on on two things of prayer guys here here's a couple things for me um prayer is not boring okay how do i pray one thing about my bible in the morning when i'm reading in the morning when I'm studying and I see something, he who the sun sets free is free indeed. Do you know what I do? I don't just read that. If there's areas in my life that I don't feel free, all of a sudden, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to say, God, right now, let me encounter that freedom. God, I pray that freedom over my life, that I am completely set free from this bondage or this thing's going on. Or all of a sudden, I begin to release that, and I feel this thing called freedom. And all of a sudden, it might be tomorrow that I'm thinking I'm driving. All of a sudden, I'm back. Lord, right now, I lift up urban youth. And Lord, I speak freedom over them for these guys to get inside their spirit what God is doing in this environment. You guys tracking with me. Guys, the Bible becomes fun when you realize, guys, this is a weapon. The scripture says it is a sword. It's not a history book. It's not something you read, but it's something you partner with. It's something that you activate. All right? So that's one component. I would say pray. If you don't know what to mean it, I look for what does God highlight, what tension, release that. All right? The other thing I do, I pray and partner with his voice. I don't pray for everything. 
I don't pray for everyone. I don't pray for every orphan. I don't pray for every unsaved person. There's moments and times that I might do if God impresses that on my spirit, but I partner with his voice, all right, in what he wants to release. Because here's what I've realized. Like what I said earlier, if I focus on what he wants, he takes care of everything that I need and more. He actually doesn't want to just give you what you need. There's seasons in your life he wants to give you even what you want. He's a good God and he's a good father. I remember being in a prayer meeting. I told students, I said, I feel like the Lord's saying, pray for what you want. You know what my prayer was? I said, Lord, I want a basketball goal for my, our youth. And actually, I went the day early, looked at the price. It was like going to be like eight grand Americano dollars to do it. Like, so I wanted it like next level. I wanted like tournament style stuff going on. And I prayed this prayer. I told this an elder from my church, said, hey, Andrew, we were talking as an eldership last night. And they said, if there's one thing that you want, we want to give it to you, what would it be? And I said a basketball court. That next week we started construction on a basketball court. <laughs> what do you want? God wants to partner with your voice and what's on the inside. He wants to release that. Guys, if I could go around the room in a gentle way, slap you and say, get this. This is not just me talking. Get this. This is for real. Get this. This will change your life. Way is powerful. Like, I just, like, not, not in a way of me being arrogant or stingy, just more than anything, guys. Don't do Christianity without prayer because it sucks. <laughs> it's boring and it's lame and there's no power and no lies will be truly transformed without this idea of prayer. But when you get it, when you grab a hold of it, it changes everything. <laughs> I want you to get with somebody, all right? Get with somebody. One guy, get, 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 with, get, with, get with one person. Guy with guy, girl with girl. Ready, set, go. We don't got a whole lot of time. Hey, puppy. I'm going to get with the puppy. I'm praying with the puppy. Actually, that's weird. You don't do that. No, it'd be weird. I guess God did speak through a donkey. He could speak through Gus. Right, hey, real quick. Does everybody got somebody? Guy with guy, girl with girl. Everybody, even leaders. No, 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 no. Yeah, guy with guy and girls with girls. Two people. One, two. One, two. Be beautiful. Everybody got somebody? All right. So here's, here's actually many things in the scripture, which is pretty crazy, pretty radical. Do you know that God healed more people that were not Christians than actually were Christians? I think sometimes we think that, like, oh, God wants to heal in the church service, but he actually healed more people that were not believers than actually believers. Do you know that God actually spoke to people that were not Christians? Those things. Because he's revealing himself to you. Do you know actually one of the craziest prayers you could pray? Lord, will you show me that you're real? I actually heard this testimony at this youth camp I was doing at. This dude, like literally at this camp, he goes, Lord, I don't think you're real. And he goes, he says this. He goes, if you're real, or no, this guy's in the parking lot, right? He's in the parking lot and feels from the Lord that he needs to go into this um, store and do a handstand by a Coke machine. Have you heard this? So he needs to do a handstand by a Coke machine. And he's the dumbest, stupidest thing in the world that I could do. Do a handstand. 
but he just knew it was from the Lord. So finally goes in, he does a handstand by a Coke machine, looks around, and he walks out. He goes to his car, and a dude comes out, and he goes, bro, were you the bloke? He's like, yeah. And he goes, I just prayed a bill. Have a dude come in here and do a handstand by a Coke machine. <laughs> Crazy story. I just heard this. I, I, I was cracking up. Because God is not stingy. He's not strict. He's not just this whole, like, goody-goody. Like, no, God is real. He is present. And he actually likes to mess with us sometimes. One more testimony, then I'm going to activate for your friend. All right? So I was at a youth event, and this dude comes in, real big guy. And a friend, he actually hears a word. The Lord says, I want you to go tell this man spaghetti. And he's like, I ain't doing that. <laughs> he goes, no, go tell him spaghetti. He felt it so heavy, so potent. He's like, I, I'm, I'm not doing that. But he just wouldn't leave him. So he goes over to this dude, never seen him before in his life. And he goes over to this man. He said, hey, man, it's going to sound crazy. But God told me to tell you spaghetti. <laughs> And this dude, this big guy, falls to the ground and starts crying. Not just a little crying. Because it was that ugly, he didn't even know how to, it was like, one of the, like, just ugly, all right? So this dude is crying, weeping. Finally, he gets up. We're just kind of praying for this guy. He gets up. This is what he says. He said, I was actually wanting to take my life. He going to tell us about his dad, tell us about his home. He was bullied even though he's the big dude. And uh, he just, well, literally, this was his last straw because he wanted to, he didn't want to be here anymore. And this is what he said. He said, God, I don't know if you're real. He said, God, I don't even think you're real. But if you are, you don't know anything about me. You're a million miles away. You don't even know what my favorite food is. Guess what his favorite food was? Spaghetti. You know, his favorite food was steak, so then, no, I'm joking. No, his favorite food was spaghetti. <laughs> He's a good God. All right, so here's what we're going to do. Everybody on this side of the partnership, all right? That's Marcus, it's you, you, all right? You see that? Everybody on this side, my right, your left, same over here, this side, to this side, what we're going to do, we're just going to lay our hands gently on a knee, shoulder, whatever. Don't be off the Lord. Guys, there's nothing special about me, but I want you to know I hear the voice of God. And I feel like my mission and my mandate is to release to a generation that God chooses you and he desires to speak to you and he wants to speak to you. And when you open yourself up, it's amazing what can flow. All right, so let me just give a couple things. Some of you here might be like, man, I've never heard the voice of God before. But the thing is, like the prophet Elijah, there's this moment where God comes and he's, his voice wasn't, it wasn't in the wind. He wasn't in the fire. He wasn't in the earthquake. It was his still, small voice. It might sound like you. So in settings like this, if you're getting quiet and all of a sudden something pops up in your mind, maybe a word, lean into it. I don't care how dumb, I don't care how ignorant, I don't care how moronic it might be. I want you to hold on to that thought. It might be something that you see. All right? You might see a visual. All right? You might feel something. 
Some of you might close your eyes and all of a sudden you feel joy. You might feel weighty. You might feel depression. I don't know, all right? So God's not going to call out your sin, all right? This is not what this is about. So let me, one last, I got a lot of stories, sorry. One last story. I'm in a coffee shop and this dude is like, God doesn't speak to me. Man, I see him speaking through. He said, bro, it's easy. He's like, but it's not. And I'm like, but it is. And he's like, but it's not. And I'm like, but it, no, I'm sorry. I'll keep going. So, so we sit down in this busy coffee shop. And I, I said, here, dude, let's do it right now. He's like, right now? I'm like, yeah, right now. So lay your hands on me, all right? So lay your hands and say, close your eyes and just get quiet before him and see if he gives you anything, all right? Whatever it may be, first thought. And this is what he tells me. He says, man, I see a dry, cracked ground. So in that moment, I began to feel a stirring of transition where I was in the church I was a part of. And I didn't want to move, but I felt it. And here's what I said. And I didn't tell him I was in transition. To me, that means Texas, because there's a dry, cracked ground, or that means Australia. Guys, eight months later, do you know what I did? I came back to that dude I said, you remember that one time you laid your hands on me and you spoke over me? So you know what that meant? I'm moving to Australia. <laughs> the dry, cracked ground. And that was a young man, a teenager, that opened himself up just willing to step out and release. All right? You guys track with me? Some of you might feel, some of you might see, some of you might hear. Let's just lean into this moment. I don't care if you're like, I'm not that spiritual. Well, you know, if you don't want to participate in the full, <laughs> but if you open yourself up, how beautiful it is. Out of love, I share that to you, all right? So, hey, close your eyes. We're just going to get quiet, just for about 30 seconds, all right? No pressure. 